This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. This is Butch Zimar, and welcome to the Zimar Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about evaluating plans and what we walk through with most employers from solopreneurs all the way through larger companies. So the first topic we're going to talk about is working with solopreneurs, those who are trying to strike it out on their own, the IT guy, the carpenter, the contractor, whoever it might be. Uh, I used to say that these are the guys that actually work from home. And in the last six months due to COVID, everybody's working from home. But these are the solo guys that contract a lot of work out or they're working by themselves um, or they're working part-time or full-time for another job just to maintain benefits. So those are the first type of people we're actually going to walk through and evaluating which plan options are available. We will not. This is a high-level overview. This is not going to get into too far in depth, but at least give um, uh, plan some seeds for the fourth quarter going into the open enrollments. The first off, the, the all-encompassing plans are the Affordable Care Act plans. These are sometimes also known as exchange plans. The Affordable Care Act is just the law of the land. The government is not selling any plans other than providing coverage for those who are too are older, over 65, and those who can't afford coverage to begin with on state Medicaid programs. But the Affordable Care Act plans are all-encompassing. It covers the pre-existing conditions. There's no health questions on the applications. The only adjustment in premium is whether you smoke or you don't smoke. They even took out gender-related premium changes, and so that way it's a lot more neutral. The only advantage of the exchange is if anybody qualifies for a tax credit. A lot of solopreneurs may be eligible for the tax credit to lower their premium. This is an advanced premium tax credit that gets paid to the insurance company on your behalf so that you could lower your health insurance premiums. This is not a one-size-fit-all. Everybody's a little bit different. This is not a discount. It's based on dollars in and dollars out on a tax return. And so those who are uh, making lower income will actually receive more in tax credit versus somebody that's actually making more. This is a huge advantage for a lot of small business owners or solopreneurs, so because it puts money back in your own pocket to, by lowering the premiums and getting you out of the game. Again, these plans are more expensive than maybe what you're used to coming out of an employer plan, and that's why the tax credit's available for those who qualify. The unfortunate part is if you're doing fairly well, but in today's economic society, it's super expensive to raise families. So the tax credit could phase out faster, and we're going to have a solution for that here momentarily. But another option for some of the business owners uh, and small, the solopreneurs is going in the second half of the year is short-term medical plans. But there's problems with short-term medical plans because there's an expiration date. The current administration extended short-term medical plans out to 12 months, and some carriers went one step further and had an auto-renew for one to two years. But in the state of Illinois, um, our politicians in Springsfield, as lucky as we can be, they limited it to six months because they felt that people should be on the exchange plans. But the problem is, is not everybody could afford those exchange plans but it is an option when you have less than six months left in the year, and it could look drastically lower your premiums, and not as much as half, but uh, somewhere between 30 and 40% savings. It does not cover any pre-existing conditions at all on the policy, so the risk is, is when that policy ends, 
you may not be able to renew it based on health conditions or treatment that you have been receiving. To give you an example with limitations with the short-term medical plan, you can be healthy today, apply for the plan. This could be even for your young kid transitioning from college to your own plan or their own plan. Maybe they're in between jobs, you're in between jobs, you started entrepreneurship, whatever the case might be. It could be an easy fix. Those are um, because you could get it within 24 hours and you're healthy today. And then months down the road, finally something occurs. It could be an accident, injury, sickness, whatever it might be. And let's say it's an injury. Injuries are sudden and can be expensive. You're going to get some coverage. And then when that coverage ends in the end of that period, whether it's two months, three months, up to six months, um, you're out of coverage. So I'll give you a, a kind of a story. You have that injury. You need surgery. Surgery's covered. You go in. Everything's taken care of. You're going through therapy. Therapy's taking longer than expected. The policy expires. You will not uh, be able to get a policy in most cases. And if you are able to get a policy, it's considered pre-existing conditions. There will be no coverage for the continued therapy at the end. This could add up to hundreds, if not thousands of dollars because of a limitation, at least in the state of Illinois. If you run over the borders, uh, you could actually get up to 12 months and auto renew. It's a much more affordable option. But unfortunately for those entrepreneurs that make stake in the state of Illinois, uh, we're limited to six months. The Affordable Care Act plans don't have those limitations. But the unfortunate part is if you pick six months of short term, you cannot switch to an Affordable Care Act unless it's the open enrollment. So if you pick six months and you end up in March of 2021 and your policy ends, you cannot get a new policy until the next open enrollment. Uh, you could buy another short term plan, but it won't cover any pre-existing conditions. But it can be a good strategy for some as long as you know the risks that are going into it. Then there's some other policies out there that force you to go through underwriting. So there's health questions on an application, but there's limitations built into the policy. And they kind of paint a picture for you that some of these limitations could be like an MRI could cost you $3,500 at, at list bill. And then by the time that the insurance company pays their portion, you're responsible for $3,000 because they have a $500 cap. Now, maybe one MRI may not kill you, but that additional cost that you have to pay out of pocket does not even apply to an out of pocket expense um, built into the plan. And therefore, it's just like paying for new tires on your car. It doesn't go towards your deductible or anything related to your auto insurance. You're just paying out of pocket. And if that cost continues and repeated tests, the exposure could add up to a whole bunch uh, as time goes on. And some of those even have caps per procedure or calendar year as low as $100,000. And so if you have a procedure uh, or multiple procedures that end up costing $150,000, $200,000, which is easy these days, uh, you are financially exposed for that difference of everything over at 100%, not the insurance company. They are much more affordable, so some people are willing to take the risk, and that's okay. It's a calculated risk. But those who have assets and maybe some cash in the bank, they're working hard, they're sweating out their blood, sweat, uh, sweat and tears to make that business grow, all of a sudden they, they get wiped out because of a miscalculation. Whereas somebody that um, has less to lose, it could be worthwhile taking that risk. Which also leads me into some of these Christian shared programs that are out there. I'm not trying to tear down any of the programs. I think that they were formed for good intentions and good reasons, and they are a good fit for some people. But it's not an insurance product, so there's no legalities or, or requirements for them to actually pay a claim. But it is a possible solution. It is more affordable. But again, you run the risk that a board decides on whether or not you get a claim paid or not. There's many success stories out of it, but it could be an inherent risk that you may have to worry about. 
it is a solution, but um, buyer beware on certain situations that may occur. So those are for the solopreneur, the guy that's a service professional, the guy that traditionally works out of his house, maybe a small office, doesn't really have any employees. If they do, they're 1099s, contractors, um, or uh, employees that they're not in a position to even offer health insurance. But we're going to transition to small employer plans. And this is um, an evaluation that most brokers should go through from startup to larger companies because every situation is the boss. Not one plan is going to be the same and not one business is going to be the same. But for small employers, let's say even as small as husband and wife, there are situations where a husband and wife can get a one-person group plan in the state of Illinois as well as other states, but they have to hit checkpoints on a box. Why would we do a small business plan for husband and wife? Because the premiums are less expensive than the exchange plan. And, it's, and if you don't qualify for the tax credit, this could add up to thousands of dollars a year for just having an, an individual plan versus a small business plan. There is some loophole or not loopholes, but checkboxes we definitely have to go through that might be a pain in the butt to work with. Like some people have to create a separate corporation to set up a certain way versus their S corp that's easy for pass through income. It doesn't always work for solopreneurs when they're trying to get obtain health insurance, but there is options out there. It's not the, the focus, but it is an option, especially if you're looking at expansion and offer coverage to your employees. But let's say you have employees and you're trying to provide some element of benefit, but you're not quite there yet. You're still going through some of the growing pains and the cash flow just doesn't meet there. What can you do for your employees? So your employees might be able to get insurance through their spouses and that's fine. It might be very affordable and much better off to do that. In other cases, they have to go to the exchange themselves. So utilizing the tax credits available through the exchange could help lower the exposure for the employee. And a lot of times, just by bringing an advisor in to the workplace to walk through that could save your employees and yourself aggravation and hours worth of spending on there. The average application for the, the process is probably close to an hour, whereas working with a professional that's been through it at least a thousand times or more could at least cut that time in half. Additionally, you could also set up a reimbursement program for some of their out-of-pocket expenses. And so you could set a certain dollar amount allotment for the employees so that they can turn in receipts to you and reimburse their expenses. There's a tax code that allows employers to do this and still get a tax deduction on their side, providing the benefits to the employees. With recent adjustments in tax law, and I'm not a tax advisor, I cannot give legal or tax advice, but you can start reimbursing for individual health insurance premiums to offset the risk of what their exposure is in premium dollars, whether there's a tax credit or not. It just has to meet some guidelines and some criteria, and there's uh, third-party companies that assist with this paperwork. The other option is going through small business plans. Maybe an employer is not ready yet to offer a benefit plan and contribute dollars to it, and that's okay because part of the Affordable Care Act, there's a small business special enrollment period that happens once a year, and it's coming up this fall, and it allows employers to fill out paperwork and honestly put zero contribution on the um, paperwork to the insurance company. And so it allows the employer to get away with offering a health insurance plan without having much skin in the game. The only skin in the game that would be respons uh, the responsibility of the employer is fronting the premium up front and setting up payroll. 
And initially, the way it would be set up is, is it's an after-tax benefit as the, if the employee was actually paying for the premiums themselves, you're just doing a courtesy deduction out of their pay, paycheck and paying the premiums in advance. One way to ante up and actually become a better employer and, and help your employees a little bit further and still not contribute dollars to your health insurance plan for your employees is allowing a pre-tax deduction. There is an additional administrative fee for this on an annual basis to keep the paperwork up to date so that the IRS doesn't come in and have an extra reason to actually check off a box and give you a fine. However, it allows you to allow your employees to pay their premiums through a pre-tax benefit, just like you do in large employer plans. This alone right here, in addition to providing a health insurance plan that's less expensive than the exchange plans, provides a huge value for some of these small employers, especially five employees and under. It's a huge benefit. It creates retention and allows that employee to take one extra thing off their mind of worrying about where there's health care and how to make it affordable. And so this is great to, to help them save money. Uh, the average family is probably spending $20,000 a year in health insurance premiums. And if they're even now, let's just say between all their deductions, personal deductions or standard deductions, whatever their filing status is, let's just say for easy math, we use 10%. They're going to save $2,000 a year in, in, in federal income tax just by providing a tax, a pre-tax benefit through a small employer plan. And that's without the employer actually contributing dollars to it. Assuming that this creates some motivation and growth in the company, and then you start contributing dollars to the health plan, it's just going to be icing on the cake. So just keep moving along, fight the good fight, and grind it out, and, and make your business grow and, and make your employees happy. As your company grows, there's further evaluation to occur as you grow. Uh, small business plans may not actually work any longer. The cost is catching up to you, but based on age, you don't have access to any claim data to figure out where your money is going to with inside the plan. Uh, these are called fully insured plans, and this is what traditionally what small employers go after just because it's easy, there's no health questions, the paperwork is easy, but it doesn't give you options to customize plans as well as take advantage of some cost savings based on risk inside the company. And what that means is if you have a relatively young, healthy group of employees, your premiums could actually be less by doing, using other products. So when small employers start looking for other options to lower premium, they may look to a program that has been around for quite some time now called Level Funded Products. Uh, level Funded Products are not available through all insurance companies, but it, it is a catchy term, so to speak, over the last 15, 20 years. With the Affordable Care Act that coming into play, it's actually moved down to uh, as little as two employees enrolled in the health plan. It's not two employees eligible, but two employees actually enrolled in the plan. But what does level funded really mean and what does it do for the small business owners and their employees? Well, first off, it takes them, uh, the group back through in underwriting. And what that means is health risk, generally speaking, it's pharmacy database uh, check uh, to see what kind of usage is going on because they have reports on the back end if there's certain pharmacy drugs that are being taken, what kind of anticipated claims they're going to be, and they figure out what is the overall risk for a group. The reason the Affordable Care Act came into the small group sector and changed it to what they call community rated is because some employers would have one major claim and they would either be dropped from their health and group health insurance plan or they would have a significant increase in premiums. For example, in the state of Illinois, prior to the Affordable Care Act, the small group could actually see a 67% increase in their health insurance premium year to year, depending on 
the health risk. So that's why the Affordable Care Act went this route. And I think in some, a lot of cases, small, the small business plans through the Affordable Care Act, because they're all Affordable Care Act, it's just the law, law of the land, that uh, this works out to their favor because they could have somebody going through a huge cancer claim and costing the insurance company millions of dollars and there's zero impact on the premiums directly related to that company. So this could be positive. It's usually a backbone to those employers willing to take a little more risk to save money going forward. And if there's a major claim on some of these level uh, funded plans, they could actually go back to the fully insured market and and have more stability. But with the level funded plans, they go through health risk, uh, which could be an advantage because the healthy onset the unhealthy, and there could still be a balancing act of lower premiums. In addition to that, there's a lot of employers that want more control. Um, One of the reasons that we go into business for ourselves is not only to control our own schedule and what business or, or transactions we're making, but they also have control of the cost, whether it's hire employees, fire employees, add supplies, increase um, work vehicles, whatever it might be, they want control of that based on dollars in and dollars going out. But with a fully insured on the small group, you can't do that. But on the level funded, you could actually get claim reports that are general. They're not specific. So you can't figure out what employee is making major most of the claims and at what level and what they're for. You can't have that. It's a general report to see where your dollars are going within the premiums that you're paying. And this could be a huge tool because if you find out there's an excessive use of doctor visits among your employee base, You could actually utilize additional programs and educate your employees to reduce the number of doctor visits so that the claims being paid out for doctor visits can go down, therefore decreasing the risk uh, the insurance company is actually insuring and therefore lowering your premiums. So the claims data gives us a lot of leverage so you could actually control what's going into the plan and what's coming out of the plan. Let's face it, health insurance costs is one of the biggest expenses in the bottom line of any business in America. And so, and that's why it's a very big topic, even at the kitchen table, all the way through Washington of them trying to figure out what's the best way to slice bread. There are other ways to cut costs and and control um, that cost going forward. So the disadvantages, there is some more risk and we touched on that. It could be claims, it could be high claims, it could offset in premiums. Eventually, a company could actually turn you on, just like the old days. But there's a lot of business owners out there that have employees, after going through the last 10 years of the Affordable Care Act, would prefer to take some more of that risk back. Uh, They want some more of that control. They want to lower their costs. And if there was a way to lower your premiums 15 to 30% compared to the fully insured, it might be something that you want to take a look at. Now, some employers that get some more experience and get their bearings straight on a level-funded product could start expanding what their interests are in the health insurance world for their employees by moving to what they call the captive space or captive self-funded. There's less risk than going fully self-insured, but it gives you a lot more options and a lot more stability for certain employers, not all of them, um, to move into a bigger risk pool to stabilize premiums. And in some cases, it could actually lower your premium by moving out of the level funded space into the captive space. There are some employers that skip the level funded level and then go right into the captive and that's fine. It's based on a process elimination and evaluation for that company based on risk adverse or just tolerance and also cash flow. Because there are some risks that when you start moving into somebody else's pool and you have to be aware of that versus creating your own pool. 
But captive programs, they're a lot more selective on who goes in. So if you are the healthier pool, maybe you have healthier employees, or maybe you have a good wellness program, you encourage your employees to do the right thing when it comes to their health, then it might be uh, beneficial for you to actually look at these options. But it is very selective, but you could leverage larger companies that are in this pool and they may have healthier risk and it could have potentially lower premium or at least be a lot more stable going forward. The downside of it is that if you're in a bad pool over a period of time, you're going to have to switch. But that's okay because if you're working with a good broker, insurance broker, they will be on top of this and they will have the flexibility of moving the pools because our job is to represent the employer. We do not work for the insurance companies. Uh, we have the vested interest of making sure that the employer is getting the best that money could buy at that moment in time based on their situation. So captive self-funded pools could actually work out to your favor, and it gives you a little bit of flexibility and customizing design, just like level-funded. It gives you a lot more flexibility than fully insured. Um, that's why I'm putting them in this order to help transition some of the employers to move from one level to the other, but it's not a level that has to go in exact order, but they are basically a, a ladder that move up if, if you're not sure what lo- what's the next level to evaluate. And in some cases, um, the premium levels with the captive could actually drop even further than the level funded uh, savings you already had. And this could actually give more cash flow back into the company. Once you get to that evaluation stage, maybe your risk pool is not a good fit because of the way that the captives are selective. They could be picky. They could be based on industries. There's a number of reasons to give full full advantage of what's available to an employer, both midsize and large employers, is moving to the self-funded market. A lot of people are scared of that name. But there's a lot more control that you can put in, and it's a calculated risk. That's it. And so it's about math, adding up the dollars, seeing what's there, and then how much risk you're going to take. Every day, we take a risk by being in business. We put our stake in the ground. We start growing. We get people to like and know us and trust us, and we keep growing. It's a very similar process because even in business, you could lose and cost you a ton of money, but the same same thing in a self-funded pool. But... If you keep the calculation risk and you keep ahead of the curve, you could control and minimize any of the risk that's there. Um, it puts you back in your own pool compared to captive. It gives you a lot more flexibility in customizing and design of your health insurance plan. And this is advantageous because you could actually build a plan based on what your employees needs based on the market you're in versus cookie cutter based on what a captive market, level funded or a fully insured plan wants to um, put in place for you. So if you want certain things like no copays at the doctor or if you want a higher copay at the doctor, you could technically pick any dollar amount. It does have to be approved by an uh, insurance company to control that risk but you could still customize it to make a better benefit for your employees. You could technically bend the healthcare curve by having more of the control of the cost. And when you start controlling the cost, you could actually eliminate any network requirements. And this is an advantage because we have these cliche technical terms like PPO and HMO and EPO, and nobody knows what it is. They just think PPO, you can go anywhere you want, which is actually not necessarily true. 
And so uh, you could actually eliminate that requirement and the insurance company has calculation risk internally that you could go anywhere you want and they're still going to pay the claim. It gets a little bit more technical. That's why it's not for all people or all businesses, but there's definitely more math involved. And But you could control the costs a lot more, have stable premiums, and it actually in some cases reverse that trend and actually go backwards in premium increases. So you could actually get decreases over a period of time if you do it right. But it is a calculated risk. Um, but, it, but it could be something that a business owner should actually look into, uh, especially based on size and risk factor for the company. But again, the situation is the boss, not one size fit all. Every entrepreneur is going to think differently about how these products work and what they want access to. Um, some want it a certain way because that's what they're used to, and that's okay. But those there's a lot of employers out there that are just even calling us up and saying, Hey, Butch, we need some relief over here. We can't handle this. Uh, we just need to increase cash flow in other areas. I don't know what to do here. And so these are the options and evaluation that you would go through step by step to see what's there, what's not there, and what's going to be a good fit for your company. And that's pretty much it for the ZMAR podcast today. And look forward to next week when we spend more time going through things that employers and employees should know going into the open enrollments uh, for 2020 going into 2021. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.